0: We are now recording live. Um, don't, don't worry about eating. We all have to eat. <laughs>
1: recording
0: live? Mm-hmm. So uh, w- welcome to the Bob and Zip Show with Ed Kelly. Our special guest is Chuck Opperman, a former Microsoft, current malware bites. Do I say it right? Malware or is it malware?
2: Malware bites.
0: Malware bites. Yeah, with the bat. Um, is it potato or potato? And, uh, and Charles has a very interesting story, and we're going to talk a little bit about his history and. The crossroads we are all at now in technology. Uh take it away, Dave, with the jingle.
1: We see that a lie candle halfway around the world before
3: the truth gets its pants on. The Bob and Zip show with
1: Ben Kelly.
0: I think it's important to note uh that we will always have pants on. <laughs>
2: speak for yourself <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we w- and we won't be proving it i guess that's the, that's the right way to go all right welcome everybody it's uh <clears throat> today is wednesday the 24th of may and the truth gets its pants on podcast welcomes our guest tonight charles opperman charles opperman at the time i met him was a, a pretty Big mucky muck, not the biggest of mucky mucks, but a, but a mucky. He had some muckiness <laughs> at Microsoft. Uh, I believe you wrote some of the code for windows 95.
2: Yeah. Windows part. 95, all, all the versions of windows up to, uh, XP. And then I left for a bit and then came back and worked on uh, Vista and windows seven.
1: Wow.
0: So, uh, and, and some, some of the most incredible work that has ever been done in IT. That literally changed the face of the world uh, done with his teams and the people at Microsoft and living in Seattle, of course, I had a I had a side view seat to some of that. And of course, I sat right seat with Chuck as a pilot as he became a mentor to me and helped me learn how to rein in my attention deficit disorder not kill myself in an airplane
1: (laughs) God help us all
0: God, you know, which, which happens. Uh, and then as, as time went on, even more interesting things happened with Chuck and, and we'll delve into a little bit of that. The bottom line is that Chuck is now the subject of a movie screenplay, which is getting some serious attention and being shopped, um, well let's say this Keith did Keith I I asked him what I could say Uh, something about Sony pictures and con film Festival. something about other high-level meetings being taken and the picture is getting investors the the motion picture involves a time in Chuck's life which I must mention is fictionalized very very fictionalized Uh, names um, specifics um,
1: the con film festival
3: we called it bullshit yes exactly
0: (laughs) however the gist of the story is that uh in the high power high impact job that he has uh, as has happened with many people uh mentally draining and caused something of a breakdown that led to a very strange set of coincidences people who know my story know that my airplane uh back in the year what year was this chuck 2008.
2: This all happened uh, late uh, November, 2008. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, My airplane was stolen by a youngster at the time, 17 years old named Colton Harris Moore, who became legendary on social media, stole many more planes and eluded authorities all across the country. And finally,
1: bad lander. Well, uh,
0: (laughs) no, Uh, would you correct him on that? Chuck?
2: Um, he knew how to get up into the air. Getting down was definitely the the worst part. Uh, but uh, as you said earlier, he, a BS or extraordinaire.
0: Any landing that you can walk away from? is I thought oh. that's what you were going to say. Oh. You don't agree Any with that. Walk
2: away <laughs> from all of them.
0: <laughs> Any landing you can walk away from is a good one, some people say. <clears throat> so uh, at this time, Chuck was having some, and you're okay with me talking about
3: this?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah extreme. And by the way, he and I both have, you know, been in 12 step. Pro- I've been in 12 step program, been in recovery, been through all kinds of uh, difficulties, uh, psychotic episodes, all kinds of things. Zip knows a little about this. Yes, I do. Zip spent you a little time under lock and key. Yes, I did. And <laughs> you're just happily smoking your dope every day and nothing's ever popped <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> we can bake one toke. give me a yes, break. Right.
0: I know he's a one toker, by the way, we always tease each other. So, uh, so anyway, um, uh, at this time, Chuck, uh, at a very low point considered taking my airplane cause he had a key and we were brothers, uh, and, um, getting the insurance money for his family because he was unable to work. Um, what ends up happening is incredible. This, Media star in social media, Colton Harris-Moore, a 17-year-old with a host of problems of his own and difficult upbringing, uh, who had always dreamed of flying. Colton Harris-Moore camped outside my hangar, watched my airplane, knew that I wouldn't be using it when I was on the radio, and stole the airplane. The catch to the story is that he stole the airplane at the time that Chuck was going to off himself for insurance money. Wow. Yes. So in an extremely amazing coincidence uh, that I feel is the hand of a higher power of some kind.
1: Divine intervention, yeah.
0: Divine intervention, I think, that might have saved Chuck's life. Uh, The rest of the story we'll get into is that Chuck uh, went on to become an amazing dad uh, an amazing software developer currently working at Malware Bytes and an executive, and, and the kindest human being I've ever known.
2: Takes Take, one to know one. As
0: long as I make all the ones I say that about equal. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that's sort of the backstory. And what I thought we would do is play you the film trailer and then get into our topic tonight, which is technology is at a crossroads. Yes, AI is this, you know, it's, it's a news story, it's a kicker, it's, uh, it's a bunch of different stories and narratives right now, which I think are all very speculative, uh, but I thought it would be interesting if the truth got its pants on and we talked about what, what really might happen for all of us. So, here's the movie, the trailer for Flight Plans.
1: Markets haven't been this volatile in almost. Now it's official, we are
3: in a recession. Ladies and gentlemen, you are all in this room because you are the finest minds in technology. We did it with Vista. We did it with Halo. We did it with the Zune, arguably our finest innovation, and we're going to do it again with the Windows Phone.
1: Are you ready to soar the skies today? Does Howard Hughes save his own piss? You know, when pre flight checklists were introduced in 1935, they cut pilot error by 65%. So, what pilots do before that? They crashed. I am very sorry.
3: I built this team.
2: And we're laying off more than half of your department,
1: Charles.
3: run away and you to take care of everything and everybody you ever loved except you won't be there that's my favorite part microsoft's market cap is at 228 billion dollars it's not like we're gonna have to kill off the zone to make ends meet
1: bob where's chuck he's taking my plane i'll see him this afternoon
3: why oh shit i know you're just a voice in my head but i really need you to shut up just for a minute oh you want to get rid of me
0: Get hit
1: by a bus before December 31st, you're worth an extra two mil. Not that it
0: matters, you'd be dead. Sorry, that's not funny, I know.
1: You've got all that money wrapped up in the Microsoft stock. Doesn't that make you nervous? You gotta train big, buddy. Hurry, little
0: children, run this way
3: Nothing left. The house is gone. The boat. The plane. Everything you've ever worked for. Just give me a minute to think. Why does this have to be the only option? What do I do? What do I do? Everything okay down there?
1: Yep. Just thinking to myself. <laughs> Great trailer. Yes. Yes.
2: A real shout out to uh, to Keith Rivers, who directed that, and of course, Ryan Corey, who uh, stars as me and my alter ego, me, and uh, and Charlie Heaton, who's in there as uh, as the Barefoot Bandit. It's just Good an casting, amazing yeah. production crew and a group of really, really talented people, and Steve Stockman, who contributed a lot to the uh, screenplay, mm. co-writer of the screenplay.
0: Yeah. And of course, the guy who plays Bob Rivers is an African American in this because we needed diversity.
1: <laughs> well, they needed Morgan Freeman to narrate. Oh, oh yes.
0: Uh, there could be a role, but that, then you still have that white face.
1: That's true, but I can be off camera, Bob.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Chuck, oh, uh, by God. Given the history we just told, what's that like yeah. for you just to watch the trailer?
2: It's it's incredible. Um, you know, every time you go to a movie or you see a trailer for a movie and it says based on the true story or inspired by actual events, you know to take it with a grain of salt. And, um, and in this case, you know, it is based on, you know, actual events and a true story, but it really just starts at one place and just goes. But along the way, I think Keith and Steve kind of captured some things about me that, you know, I, that people who have seen the trailer, I know you, mom, has said, oh, that's Chuck. You know, that, it that's is what he's like. Old. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think
0: you were quite that rich, but it is you.
2: <laughs> no, I wasn't then, of course. <laughs> it I, is I a younger him. Yeah. I, I didn't do coke and I didn't dance around on boats with girls and stuff like that. But um, we I did that for a movie. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I knew people did it. Um, but you know things like you know does Howard Hughes save his own piss you know that is absolutely a line I would use I hadn't but I'm I'm using it now <laughs> you know and um, you got to dream big buddy that's my voice I mean yeah. I didn't maybe I've never said those words in that order but that is absolutely my voice and those guys captured it um, and it's very humbling it's very odd I'm not used to any sort of a spotlight and to see someone portraying a version of yourself. Um, in this way is both exhilarating and deeply unsettling, Um, you know, and I'm also at the point where I'm going, huh, you know, this all happened, all these events that are documented here or inspired by all occurred right before my son was born. And that when I was at a very, very low point, I had a, shall we say, a break from reality. And my son now, I just came from his eighth grade graduation and that he's 14 years old and he's nearly as tall as me and uh you know he's just an amazing kid and at some point i gotta tell him you know let's talk about the time right before you were born and that so This uh, this project. He he's. Are you going to do it
0: on the way to the premiere of the movie, or are you going (laughs) to do it before that? (laughs) Yeah,
2: but you know, one of the things, and uh, you know, I'm going to say it out loud now because I really want Keith to do this. I'm going to apply a little public pressure to him. Is like we, the the you know, the movie is is partly about me, partly about the Barefoot Bandit, and partly about you know, flying, the joy of flying and the exhilaration of it and why people want to use aviation and flight as a way of kind of escaping their realities in various means. And uh, so Colton Harris is the barefoot bandit. He took pictures of himself with bare feet. And I've, I've told Keith that the movie has got to start with Colton's feet, you know, in the woods, barefoot, and it's got to end with my bare feet in the sand here in Florida you know to kind, of, to kind of bookend the movie nice bookend you know and also include the the the, the feet of my girlfriend and my the feet of my son and it's like yeah it all worked out everything worked out and yeah, yeah. that and um i i think keith and, and steve have come up with this amazing screenplay this incredible narrative device that allows for a lot of humor a lot of um intrigue shall we say um and it has a has a drive to it it leads to a a final act of these forces coming together and god it's like i I look at that trailer and go i want to see this movie
0: yeah Yeah. do you uh feel i do i'll I'll give that up do you feel that there's a divine intervention force at play here that that caused everything to uh Come to like, like I do believe that we have free will. But at the same time, the tapestry of life and the stories in real life—forget the dramatization—are so much like a screenplay. Sometimes the way uh, different events come together and shape, or,
2: or just like you know, what's the degree of difference between a perfectly normal life, such as mine? Really, I, I do think of myself as a fairly normal guy in that, and you know, having some happenstance. And it becomes something very dramatic and very interesting. The, you know, just just change the slight things here and there, and boom, it's it's fascinating. But um, I will caution: if you ever go to the movies and it says based on true stories, take that with a big, big grain of salt. <laughs> never saw, never had an alter ego.
1: This
0: is no, Chuck once did. again reminding you he didn't party quite like that. No. Not, Zip and I oh, might
1: have yes. <laughs>
2: I knew people. I did know people.
1: Yeah. So not only do you have your pilot's license, but you've given someone artistic license as well. Yes.
2: All that's right. Difficult. You have
0: to sign away your life rights, right?
2: Yeah, that's a that's part of it. And uh, actually, Keith, I am waiting for that check to clear. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why that financing is so important. But no, they, regardless, regardless of whatever happens to the project, I think they've written a wonderful tale that I personally am proud of to be a part of. Um, I think they've done it with sensitivity. Um, And, um, you know, my only request to Keith was that the movie at some point has got to show that I did okay, you know, that uh, Colton got away and he seemingly won, you know, he he accomplished his goal at at that point and I didn't accomplish my goal at that point. But the, the person who lost on screen actually won. And the person who won on screen actually lost. And so that I think is one of the more fascinating aspects of the, of the narrative of it all.
1: Malware bites, but Chuck's life didn't. In the end, <laughs> it became wonderful.
2: Yeah, we need you to do the trailer right? narration.
1: You know, <laughs> yeah, we really don't do. tell me.
0: Tell Keith. uh, uh, Keith's yeah. going to have to subscribe to our Patreon in order to get yeah. free first work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, you know, 2008, oh, in the middle of a recession, eight dollars a
0: month. <laughs> I think he can do it, so I'll, I'll drop <laughs> a subtle thing. Yes,
2: zip. <laughs> no, I was just gonna uh, ask, uh, in,
0: in a, terms of percentage, how much creative license in the trailer did you see oh. from the real story? I, and um, uh, that's not a fair question, but
2: it, it's not, but um, 75 percent, you know, fictional. <laughs> that's
0: now, I disagree because I do know Chuck. That look, that wild-eyed look. What's the actor's name again? Uh, Ryan Cory, great, yeah, I, great I, actor. Yeah, I really have met yeah. him over the years. That wild-eyed look in his eyes that speaks to the passion of going up in an airplane and the excitement that was very real at Microsoft. You got to understand, during that time, Microsoft. I mean, right now you've got Google, you've got Facebook, you've got Apple. During that time, Microsoft was the first big tech global monster. And if you, if you even worked at Microsoft, and Chuck doesn't think of himself as this cool, but I did. If you even worked there, you had this aura of coolness about you. And, and, you know, I, I mean, it sounds a little silly now because it's, it's dated, but
2: they had free food. They had, <laughs> yeah, we, we were Cool tables. We were absolute. We were the center of the computing universe in the nineties. And then Absolutely. It and- was
0: not, it was run. It was a company run with passion. Unlike any company I had ever, I mean, early radio companies had some passion and we had show business and we had fun, but Microsoft was changing the whole world from this Redmond campus. Well-
2: well, and, and that's an interesting set of words there because we, all of us on the window, about 300 of us on the windows 95 team, we all had a poster that was put into our offices that was the the blue sky it might even have the, one of the boxes behind me here on the, the
0: windows box. Yeah, yeah. And
2: it says, you are changing the world. You know, that was drilled into us, uh, you know, and we felt it at that point. That's, we did absolutely feel that at the time. And you did i like to think so. I think, you know, in particular, one thing that Bob um, hasn't mentioned is the stuff that I worked on in Windows and at Microsoft was to uh, making our technology useful for people with disabilities. So for people who are blind, hard of hearing, mobility impairments, things like that. I, I was the person who put a lot of those features into our products. And that's, you know, that's the stuff that when I, when I have passed on, I, i'd like to be remembered for because those legacy. are the things that are are truly important it's it's nice to make software that pleases people and gets used in billions of places but you know if if you can make a few thousand people who are blind be able to keep a job that that to me is my ticket into heaven
0: wow yeah we're at us we're at a um we're at a crossroads it feels like because Just as back in that day, Windows 95, the graphic user interface uh, started by Apple, but really popularized by Microsoft and, and, and globalized changed our world. And then the internet shortly after in the early two thousands became mainstream. I remember in the beginning of the internet, you know, this, there was a search engine called Alta Vista and, um you just clunkily type something in and it would bring you back an indexed result. And, uh, there were people at the time, um, saying that you could never make any money with search. All it is is a card catalog. (laughs) And then this company called Google comes along and, uh, if someone said you should invest in that. And I was like, nah, that's not going to be
1: anything.
0: (laughs) Facebook's that's not going to be anything. How they don't even have ads on Facebook. How are they going to make any money? (laughs) So we watched, um, we watched the foundation set by Bill Gates and, and, and the people at Microsoft changed the ecosystem of the whole world. For a while, there was this thought that Microsoft was going to own the internet and needed to be broken up. Nothing could be further from the truth. The internet is so competitive now that, um, you know, uh, and, and remember when it was all about the browser?
2: Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was there. I was there for the browser wars.
0: Okay, and if and you were you choking off people's air supply while you were also helping the handicap?
2: <laughs> <Yes. laughs> let, me, let me give me a mindset of Microsoft at the time. Sure.
0: Now, All right, tell uh, me about that. Because you so know the
2: inside the the browser wars really heated up and for those of you who don't know um back you know December 7th of all dates of 1995 Bill Gates put out made the company stop on a dime and say we will devote everything we do to the internet that is the way we, we call it the internet day and everything from that point forward everything has got to have internet component okay so we got a browser we have, we bought it from some Seattle company and we made it our own we called it internet explorer and we had to iterate now the uh, Netscape and the Netscape Navigator browser which everyone just called Netscape right. was out there and we that was our competition so we were going to do everything we can do to kill the competition and um and and how we did that is we integrate our internet stuff into everything else we do you know words got to have an internet component uh, excel's got to have an internet component you know everything we did windows got to have all that and um And we did, you know, we absolutely, we did exactly that. We had, I remember we had a poster or some sign on, on one of the hallways that had a quote from Mark Andreessen, who was the, the the wonder kid of the wonder kind of the, uh, uh, and he said, we will make windows irrelevant. And that, that was a quote that he gave at some conference. And that's like, you know, you're insulting my mother now. And so you know, that was like them fighting words. So when you hear the stories of like Gates saying, we will stomp on their throat and cut off their air supply. It's, that's kind of the mindset we had. Um, did we think we were doing anything illegal? No. In from a legality standpoint, I can understand why people did. I'll say this. In 2000, 2001, uh, my email was confiscated. It was held legality hold and was combed through by the Department of Justice. And there was an email exchange between me and the vice president of the of the browser group. Um, and I was asking for some features to be put into Internet Explorer to, to help people with um, who, had, uh, who were deaf with closed captioning, stuff like that. And he goes, oh, these are great things. I'm really glad you're working on it. But you know what? That's an operating system function. We're, we're, we're not part of the operating system. We're just an app. And that fed right into the other side of the story mm. and so they use that email as evidence of, of them the internet explorer truly was just something that was separate and could be separated out which microsoft didn't want to do and so that was bad timing for me you know or, or that, for the that, person who wrote that to me that piques
0: my interest and makes me want to ask a question because it's so funny every time something new is invented you can go back and see that the same thing has happened before in a slightly different ecosystem. The more things change, the more they stay the same. So when Microsoft Microsoft really crushed Apple, by the way, Apple had the graphic user interface first, and Apple was easy to use and friendly and all that. When Microsoft crushed Apple, it's because they opened their platform to application developers, right? Well, and see the thing,
2: Apple got wrong. And I'm a student of... Of computing history and particularly personal computing history, Apple definitely was to the forefront of making computers easy to use. However, they had the old notion, and it is an old notion, that you do that through hardware. They wanted to sell the hardware because that's where the profit was for them. And Walled
0: garden. They wanted to own the whole farm.
2: They wanted to own the whole thing. And so their first computer was the Apple Lisa. It was a $10,000 machine. Nobody bought it. It's like, it doesn't matter how easy to use. I'm not spending 10 grand on on something that I can get for about $1,500, and it takes a little longer for the guy to figure out how to use it. And so that that failed. And so Steve Jobs says, oh, well, we screwed that up. We did it all wrong. And he took his little band of uh, developers. And they were pirates. They called them the pirates. And he actually went off to a different building on the campus. and They came up with the Macintosh. And so much cheaper, but still way too expensive, $2,500. And so, again, neat, cute, had great ads. Everyone liked it, used it, but they weren't buying it. Um, I remember growing up, only the rich kids had Apple computers. You know, it's, you know I, I was stuck with a TRS-80. I mean, I was so poor, <laughs> I had to build my own computer. In fact, wow. right, right over there is a TRS-80 uh, color computer from the 80s, early 80s. <laughs> That was my you play. Can you play
0: tic-tac-toe on it? Oh, Oh, I
2: (laughs) I wrote a tic-tac-toe game. I wrote a snake game. I did all sorts of stuff on this. So
0: part of so part of Apple's thing was they went for the high end uh, and and, uh, but isn't also part of it that when um, when the two operating systems really started competing there were more apps written, applications written for Windows. I
2: I, I did forget to mention your point is it was, it was a completely open platform. And and that is both one of the strengths and one of the weaknesses of Windows is that you can extend it out the wazoo. You can do just about anything with it which meant that you could do all sorts of bad things. So it became very easy to crash Windows with a bad extension. It would be great
0: if you could someday things. work for a malware bytes virus company to prevent viruses from attacking that very <laughs> same that computer nice? that has well, those like, weaknesses. You
2: know, th- thank you, Windows, for, you know, allowing me to have a job now. Yeah, leaky that, Windows. Um, exactly, leaky uh, Windows. But to bring and, the with-
0: app point home, just to, uh, to get to the point of that, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple and... I swear to God, he had the same conversation that you guys had about Netscape. He probably sat down and said, we're going to make the desktop computer irrelevant by making your phone the computer. And we're going to put these things on the phone that anybody can write. We can't call them applications because that's what Microsoft did. Let's just call them apps. So they're software tools, right? Isn't that what any app is?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and remember the genius of those days was they had the iPod, you know, and it was 99 Cent songs. You know, mm-hmm. any song you want, 99 cents, boom. You know, we, we will make record stores irrelevant. And, and so when the iP- uh, the iPhone came along, one, people like me poo-pooed it. We go, oh come on, a software keyboard on, on the screen. No one's ever gonna use that. Well, you had we your boat, easy. you had
0: your plane, you had your party parties with the high class uh <laughs> cocaine use at night, and you were we were living in large on the town. Well, and here comes our, along this yeah. I, I'm sorry. We Mom, had our going, Blackberry and, phones. That's a dramatization. <laughs> yes, oh, right, it was the Blackberry,
2: yeah. Yeah, we had the Blackberry phones with the little hardware buttons and you know Can the I mean. thumbmasters, and we saw this iPhone with this on-screen keyboard, and we go, no, that's gonna use up too much screen real estate that's that's garbage and um you know and but no they got it right in that and and that was the key they combined that's something that microsoft never did well in the in the phone space mobile space was saying hey we've got to make sure our store the stuff that people get is really there it's not enough it wasn't enough to copy what we did with windows Um, it just never materialized and between and google you know, it was good for two people wasn't good for three and i loved windows phone i was one of the last diehards on windows phone and i went to google for a while and you know now i'm i'm a mac diehard oh, guy. oh
1: so. you have you guys have no idea you it's have no 14 idea. pro max i'm i'm telling you 13
2: uh, 13, 13 I, i'm, I'm, at I'm the skipping 13. over 14 to mm. the that's big
1: because 15. you were such a homie uh, for so I
2: long am. all right I'm let's fast forward
0: let's fast forward the story a little bit. It's great background, uh, into the world you live in. And now you actually are still helping people, uh, helping people to stay safe and secure. Um, when AI hit the public consciousness, which I really think has only been in the last couple of months, um, I believe there was a big announcement by Microsoft that Bing was yeah. going to uh, use, is it chat GTP or what? Yep. GPT? Yeah. Uh, and, and they actually said, this is going to make Google irrelevant. Not in those
2: exact oh, no, words. It, it's not the exact words, but that's absolutely it's exactly right.
1: Time. Big words um, from Bing. <laughs> Bing always strikes me as kind of like a mafia term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Bing. Um Hold on, I'm going to introduce you to my body, Bing. bing, (laughs) Bada-bing, (laughs) bada-boom.
0: And and Bing was Microsoft's answer to Google, which was really an as good uh, and in some ways better search engine, but Google already had massive mind share and market share. And Google is maybe one of the most profitable, successful companies in the history of the world. I think it's, it's safe to become like say.
1: Kleenex is because you don't no. search anything anymore. You Google it. You Google it. Right. So what would you say
2: Google's business is?
1: Yeah. What what would I say it is?
2: Yeah. Well, give me a classification. Google is a what company?
1: Oh, it's a salesman. <laughs> That's what it is? It's a sales force.
2: It's an advertising platform. Yes. That's how they make their money. And, that, so, and so We are the product. Exactly. It's you a data. Product. It's
0: a data mining, uh, selling the data product. So when you say sales platform, an ad platform, the ads are unlike any other ads in any other kind of media because there is so much information about where your ad is going
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it can be targeted to, uh, to an accuracy, a pinpoint accuracy that no one else can do, which gives them their advantage, right?
2: Yep, and and uh, you know every tech company is that's what they're for is how do we target people, and that Facebook, Instagram, they know where you are, what you are, what you like. Are they that,
0: kind of all in the data targeting
2: business now? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's the only company that's going to be making money. There's Metadata is where the money software. is. Yeah, but that mm-hmm. that's where the money's at. Is being okay. able to deliver something to so a
1: good crew. setup.
0: So along comes, and I'm just going to give you my, um, gut feeling about it. You tell me if I'm, if I'm close along comes the equivalent of comparing a candle to a nuclear reactor. That's how I feel artificial intelligence is because if I'm and tell me if I've got this right, I've been listening a bunch and I feel almost ready to have this conversation with you, but maybe not. Um, Artificial intelligence can basically crawl, because it exists on the internet now, just about the entire sum of human knowledge and data in, in many ways, and it can do it at lightning speed and essentially create what we used to see in Star Trek. And we're gonna get Trekkie, uh, sorry, Zip, if you, if you feel sleepy, get a <laughs> cup of coffee.
2: Yes. <laughs> All right.
0: Blah, but, blah, 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 blah. but in Star Trek, when the captain talks to the computer, he's talking. I've got to the wisdom. captain
2: right here, by the way. There he is. <laughs> oh, right
3: that's you. the original captain.
2: That is the only one to me. James so. D. Kirk. No, yeah. there's only
3: one <laughs> real captain. Let's be honest. <laughs> Don't try and steal my thunder. Can't be done. So is that a fair? Is that
1: a
0: fair oh, analogy? Okay. So and and by the way what you heard and this is how weird things hit you in the media. You know, you'll hear about something and you don't really understand the ramifications of it. But you hear that AI is going to disrupt every business. Is going to change everything. And then the next thing you see is people are telling AI to write stories about themselves or their friends. You did a, a really fun one uh, in the email. And they and it's so at first it just seems like a novelty. Yep. Um, and, and so I don't think most people have a real clue yet what is about to happen. It's like comparing a shovel to a bulldozer, isn't
2: oh, yeah. it? Okay. Well, a, a very smart bulldozer that knows exactly where to dig.
0: Right, a bulldozer that you could say, I'm building a house here tomorrow, please get everything ready, including the foundation. And then, <laughs> and then you come back the next day and you start stick building the house with a different robot we'll stick build the house for you while you go have a donut and a cup of coffee.
2: You know, but ultimately it's just another computer algorithm. You know, there, there, yes, we say artificial intelligence and that implies maybe it's a little too smart or that it's going to eventually say, I'm done with humans. I, I, I don't need them anymore. It's not like that. It's still just another program that knows how to consume information and learn from it. And yes, it, I can imagine a science fiction future uh, that it's like, Oh, well, hold it. It's learning the wrong things and it's coming to the wrong conclusions, but we're not there yet. We're nowhere so, near uh, there. All
0: right. Let me challenge you. Let me push back a little on that because actually really, a lot of smart people I know are saying what you're saying. Like, it's not going to replace humans. It's not going to become the Borg. But if there was a human being who wanted to be the Borg, Nefarious. queen yes. or the Borg King, who ran this kind of technology it is certainly possible to be used for undescribable evil
2: well i mean elon musk is a oh. big <laughs> investor in in open yeah mm. yeah that is the that is it because there you can introduce biases and that so I'm sure explain you that to is, so he wants to make
1: um, a digital god
2: Well, but but biases and say, okay, we've all had this. You know, I know you guys talk politics frequently and stuff. And there's, you know, a faction of 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 the political spectrum that is convinced that tech companies are biased against them, and that oh, that they're these companies are suppressing stories from a polit from a particular political angle, and the potential for bias can happen in AI because you're targeting the wrong data sets to go start combing through or anything like that. Or maybe, Oh, let's see. The national review website doesn't make its stuff available to be perused. Okay. So that's a gap. And that, whereas um, I don't know, name some big uh, left wing site daily beast show say, Oh yeah, sure. Go have all of our stuff. And so then it learns one side and that it doesn't really have a balance and doesn't know how to correct the balance just like a human who only watches one network or one reads one source
0: none of us know any of those kinds of humans too <laughs> not, we-
2: not and oh. you know and that's that's the problem right now is is making sure that there isn't biases in there and there's a lot of ethic ethics um coming into ai that says well how do we make sure that that happens should there be regulation for that and Sure, there probably should be, but nobody knows well enough to be able to do it. I mean, nobody can regulate social media yet, and that's been around for 20-odd years. So, China um, can. <laughs> <laughs> that. So, you know, AI is, is going to be great. And I like to think of this. You're flying across the country, and then you're in this incredibly technologically advanced airplane, and there are two pilots in the front. And in the 80s and 70s and before, there were three pilots, and then the... And in the um, 50s 40s there were four people up there uh navigator an engineer co-pilot a pilot now we're down to just two but I'm, I'm i'm here to tell you speaking from an aviation background they don't need the two pilots right and that um the the automation in there is probably sufficient just for the enough for one pilot and there's a good reason why there's two Does anyone want to get a guess as to why
0: uh we have a heartbeat which is not guaranteed right.
2: Right. Exactly. And yeah. that it's yeah. just for the human redundancy in case. And every day there's piloting, capacitation, things like that. And so
0: it's the, why I had a second MacBook right. on stage when I was using computers to play <laughs> sounds in my uh, heart. Yeah. Exactly. If this computer goes down, I have nothing. <laughs> so, so even
2: though the automation, the ability, the technology is there to perfectly take off that plane, land it um, and taxi it off into a particular gate exists. You still have to have humans there because there's no way people would fly on a plane that doesn't have
1: that. There's also a branding issue, I think, with artificial intelligence because the root word of artificial is artifice, which means fake. Yeah, you know, it's and not, it's it, a good point. Yeah, it's not real. It's it's just that It's data and it's algorithms. All right, I am hard and it's only
2: to... as, and here in Excuse me, Bob, garbage you in, you have, garbage a, they have a term in computers. It's called garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. yeah. And that if you shovel the wrong things in, you're going to get the wrong things out and you're going to get them out a lot faster. Right. And that, and um, you know, so it's going to be a long period of time. And I like to think of it as AI right now is, is helpful. And that if I write articles for, let's say ESPN, it mm. can help me write articles way faster. I can write much more of them, maybe a lower quality, but I'm going to do a lot more of it. And what do we think? Does, does, does ESPN want higher quality or more, more output, more output means more ads. They're going to accept a lower quality. Right. Um, And that's, that's one of the trends that I dislike. And so that's, so now I have a tool. Now the next step is, you know, a co-pilot, someone who sits alongside me can do the same things and is there for when I need them to do it for me. And then eventually I'm the co-pilot monitoring that and that, And, and we're, Decades away from that. And then, of course, after that is, you know, we're not needed at all.
0: Okay. So I'm heartened by your optimism, Chuck. And I agree that humans have something special. We have something, you call it a soul, you call it a um, ability to be kind, and you call it the ability to think from the gut and be creative. Um, a, computer, a computer program cannot be creative yet, some people say that that could be programmed. I, I don't see any evidence of it yet. But here's here's something. And, and oh, you sent a very nice, um, you sent a, um, you wrote, hey, AI, can you write a superhero story about Chuck, Charles Opperman? And, and that's all you gave it for direction? That's it. That's it. And... So at this point, that AI spider crawls all over the web to learn everything it can about you and then takes what it knows about superhero stories and writes a story about you.
1: And it's a pretty good story. Another Marvel franchise? Come on.
2: I can't take it anymore. <laughs> did you ever wonder why they're doing so many of them? Because it's so easy to write.
0: It's so easy. And and here's the question. I, the stories, now that this has been a novelty and been done a bunch of times, it starts to get boring, doesn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, you For know, example, and they,
0: and they make mistakes. You wrote, hey, I, how funny is Bob Rivers? And he, it wrote, Bob Rivers is a funny guy who will make you smile with his musical comedy. You can listen to his podcast, watch his books, browse his merchandise on his website at BobRivers.com. So far, I'm okay with this.
1: Or talk uh, to Lisa.
0: <laughs> you can also tune into his radio show on KJRFM in Seattle.
2: Yeah. and and that's because chat uh, um, um gpt gpt3 was cut off at the end of um i think november 2021 so that was the limit of its knowledge it's oh, not okay. like it's constantly updating
0: uh, but i quit in 2014 uh it also gave you a superhero <laughs> name by the way he was his superhero uh, name is cyberbite
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was hilarious. I did
0: too. Became one of the most popular and respected superheroes in the world was admired for his courage, intelligence, and generosity, which you have.
2: Thank you. Uh,
0: that's your actual character, not the wacky guy in the movie. Uh, he also had a sense of humor and a passion for user centric design, tried to make his products easy to use and accessible to all people, which is, which means that it read, about the kinds of features you were putting in in Windows 95 and made it part of your story. Pretty crazy. So, okay. That's good. But you know me, I like to exaggerate far beyond what we already see. And I've also heard some other great dramatic exaggerations about what AI can do. Some of what I've heard is that it can code software and um, and and take, say, for example, you wanted to compete with a company that it would take several hundred millions of dollars to build the software to compete with. It could be a Bitcoin company. It could be a banking company. Those kinds of things. Very high pro, pro apps for the business community. Big money stuff it basically said that um, uh, one of the shows I heard said that this can now be done on a shoestring with just a few programmers. If they're really smart, they don't need all the manpower with AI. Are you familiar with that? Does that affect your business?
2: Yeah. uh, Listen, when I was, when, you know, in the uh, 20, the the aughts, as they say, the 20 hundreds, two thousands, we used to say, Oh, I learned to program before there was Google, you know, and, and now people are saying, oh, I learned to develop before uh, AI and, and that. And so I think of it this way, I, I, Bob, you could, you're, you've been a morning show host, you guys know radio and you could sit there and say, Hey, write me, a, write me an opening for tomorrow's show, you know, where I'm going to have, um, um, I don't know, uh, John Stewart as a guest, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh. And it'll come back with, you know, paragraph stuff that, you know, if you run through a voice synthesizer, it'll speak in a relatively hu- normal human sounding way, but you'll notice all these little things. And,
0: yes. It, it, we're and, nowhere there. Yeah.
2: And nowhere near there. And so that's, you know, that's the rub. in And, and so with but, software development.
0: But because it learns so quick and is developing so quick, maybe in a period of time, months, maybe a year or two, I could say in this podcast, um, make our podcast into a science fiction movie where the Borg drops in this window behind me, attaches its electrodes to me and starts making me speak about how I'm going to take over the universe. And oh dear,
1: whatever should we do or Dr.
0: Smith, actually Dr. Smith is near Warning! Oh, morning, Warning! <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't see the argument that, that, um, uh, oh, oh, and also I love music. Um, there's things I'd love to do musically now, but I don't have the skills. And, uh, you know, along with music came sampling at one point, along with music came sequencers uh, and all of these, uh, artificial, uh, plugins that can make stuff uh, and voice correction and all of those things. And now you almost anybody can make music, but they can't make great music unless they have inspiration, unless they have a story and not do
1: yeah. zips chops. Yes. Well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember, I remember the first time I replaced him with a drum machine about 35 years ago, I got quite
2: a scowl. <laughs> That's no I You know, we, in, in a long time ago, um, there was a, a programming language bill Gates introduced. It was called visual basic. And it was like, and one of the claims of fame to this, Particular computing languages. Anybody could write software. Anyone could write programs, and that because it was it was the basic computer language, and and the using the Microsoft Visual User Interface it was just so easy. Well, that's what happened. Anyone did start to write software, and there and companies are full of crap software now that they're having to deal with for years and years. And you know, it was a good tool. It did bootstrap. Could that but be analogous to
0: the music business where anyone can Absolutely. write music now? And that's why the classic yeah. rock is still the most licensed music there's <laughs> and there's very little good that. music. Okay. And,
2: and AI oh, okay. is only going to build on what is already there. And that, so AI will never come up with the next great thing.
0: Okay. The last dramatic point I want to make, because I think it's a good one, good for society, which I know all of you are supportive of, is this. The big money, the Wall Street money, the billionaires who are venture capital investors say that we are in such a world of hurt now as a civilization, not just the United States, but all over the world, because everywhere in the world printed money and ran up debt. And just the service on the debt uh, that exists, not just in the United States, but everywhere, makes it unpayable and is crippling. To our ability to be civilization and society, because when uh, politics happens, you know, certain campaigns want to favor big business, and other campaigns want to favor. Everyone wants to uh, give stuff to the voters, and there really isn't uh, that there. We've created this huge debt, and historically, there's a couple ways to get out of debt. One is inflation. Duh, that's what we're doing right now. The inflation is is causing the value of. You know, d- decades old debt to diminish in terms of real, uh, actual what it really is. Uh, but the other way is to, and this is where tech, I believe, has fueled most of my lifetime. The other way is to innovate the F out of it and to create uh, efficiency. So these are the proponents of AI. This is what they're saying that AI will create such efficiency. At disruption, new business models, more productivity, that it actually may be the answers that society needs, <clears throat> still leaving questions, second order effects, like what are all the people who you know, are displaced by AI are going to do? Well, the positive way of looking at that is those people's minds are going to be freed up to actually be more human. Do you buy that?
2: Yeah, I do to an extent. And that so I can imagine, let's say I'm a, I'm a writer. And um, AI is going to let me write a lot more. I can be yes. the next James Patterson. And it's going
0: to make your shit look better because of the shit that AI wrote for you earlier, right. which was okay—a super ho- good superhero name, but it's not going to replace Captain Marvel. But
2: again, is it going to be an, an issue of quality or quantity? And that, well, and unfortunately, business funds quantity, and that, uh, and with the hope of quality will come later, and that might be the case, and I'm hopeful for it.
3: Well. Chuck, Dr. Anthony Fauci, perhaps you've seen me. Um, we came up with a vaccine in record time, strictly because so many people concentrated on it at the at a simultaneous moment that we, we came up with it quickly for COVID. Whereas people said, oh, polio took 20 years, but we did it fast. Will AI find a cure for cancer by doing the same thing without hiring all these schmucks?
2: So that's a great, great point, because everything that has been known about cancer has been fed into neural networks for decades now, and we haven't yet come up with it. I don't expect AI to magically do that. Now, it may it will may advance it eventually, we're not there yet. Just we're simply not there. We, we hold that hope. We've been doing uh, weather prediction using uh, neural networks for decades now. And, okay, it's way advanced, more advanced than we thought it would be, but it's still by no means
1: perfect. Not perfect. But
2: with AI, they can now tell you
3: how deep the flood is going to be, whether it's going to be to the second (laughs) step, the fourth step, your living room, your attic, or if you're going to have a waterfront in Orange County.
2: And then you get some guy who puts up a map and draws a new you know, where it's going to go. It's going to hit Alabama and not Florida.
3: <laughs> well, not? it's a different yeah. color Sharpie than you, but he was <laughs> yeah. an idiot. You're a Floridian
0: and you're wearing a red shirt, so I'm very surprised <laughs> at that. <laughs>
2: yeah, good point. But I do, I have a demo, an AI demo I would like to do for you guys. And that, and this uh, relates back to, to my company. And I, I use my phone. I've got a picture of Bob and I here from uh, a few years ago. And I'm just going to take a picture of it with my phone here. And it's uh, scanning the picture. And this is an app that my company developed. And then it writes a bit of text for it. And I'll read it off. Looks like these two could hack into your heart and steal all your affection. Better watch (laughs) out for those charming smiles and sneaky tech skills. (laughs) That's based off of this picture.
1: Can you uh, airdrop me that, please? (laughs) (laughs)
2: And so you can get it yourself. This is a, you go on the app store. There's a a world Bytes, W-O-R-L-D-B-Y-T-E-S. And we developed this app as an April fool's joke last month, or back in March. (laughs) Um, And here's all it does. It takes the, it takes a picture from your camera. It sends it up to a, um, to a, uh, to a uh, Microsoft service that, um, uh, that analyzes the picture. And it probably comes back and says, uh, two white middle-aged men, um, you know, with TikTok or whatever the, the thing is behind us. And then and then we took that text and we we sent it over to the Chat GPT and said, write a cybersecurity story about this text. And that's it. That was the extent of the programming. Take a picture, classify it, write a story. And that we did very little actual programming. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's so much fun to just take various pictures of things and see what kind of cute things it comes up with, but it, it's a novelty. It's nothing. This, is, this isn't replacing anyone.
0: Not earth shattering. Uh, interesting. Uh, you were somewhat more um, demure about AI than I expected for a Star Trek person, for a person who could boldly go where uh, no man has gone before for five years. Well, um
3: where did he
2: get those headphones? Yeah. <laughs> um, I. I... <laughs> but hey, let's take the lesson of one of the yeah. best Star Trek episodes ever. Okay. The Ultimate Computer. Uh, I'll just go through this quickly. The Ultimate Computer is going to replace the entire, and this is from the 1960s. This was in 1967. When, a really great episode of Star Trek from the uh, second season. It's uh, They've installed this computer and it knows how to run starships. You know, Humans won't be needed. And the, the scientist who, who's come up with it he it's his last gasp at greatness but it's a little too good um and it does great but unfortunately because it has all of his biases built into it it uh says oh you know what if i get attacked it doesn't matter what i'm going to attack back and as part of war games exercises it goes ahead and starts attacking the other ships and uh, they go ahead and The Starfleet comes back and says, "Okay, well, we got to blow up the Enterprise because they don't even think it's the computer. They think it's Kirk has gone mad and is trying to trying to wreck everything. And uh, and so um, by by this point, they're able to disconnect the computer and they don't know what to do. Do they defend themselves? Do they try to attack? And they go. And Kirk says, no, no, we're shut off everything. Lower our shields. You know, we're not playing dead, but we're you know, we're going to be unprotected. And the commander of the opposing force goes, huh this could be a trap, but I'm going to wait. And they're going to try to figure out how to communicate. And and the closing line of the episode is, you know, it's like, Kirk, you know, why, why did you do that? that? That should not have worked. That could have been like a trap that the computer would have set. And he says, no. He says, but I gambled on the other guy's humanity. I gambled on his empathy.
3: I also and... read what Gene Roddenberry told me to play. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that's, that, that is, that is how it was written. <laughs> yeah. but, but even back then. Back then, they were thinking about these things and the potential to replace people. And it's like a a computer can never think like a human, can never be empathetic. Um, It could help and be helpful to the point of where a human isn't needed for that particular job. But humans are going to be needed to come up with the information to provide the la- la- groundwork and to refine what the computers come up with. Okay. So that's how I'll take it. I ever,
1: by the way, that's puts- to know when when to turn an elderly person over so they don't get bed sores, for example.
2: Yeah. Or, or just, you know, or even just to feed in a set of disparate symptoms hmm. and to say, you know what? And this is something uh, John Medina, I know, is a good friend of ours. That, but I was talking to a the cancer version of John Medina down here Mm -hmm. in Florida, and they were talking about how they go. There's all this research on these particular medications and these particular doses help with this kind of cancer but not always, what are the conditions like this particular person has, you know, they're white, they're at this age, the, you know, all this data set
1: Genetic. and
2: they feed that all in and they go, oh, hey, you might be a candidate for this mixture mm. and that it didn't work on this person, but it you it might work on you. And and that's how they're using AI for those, that beneficial yeah.
0: thing. And that's very, very hopeful and, and a super useful tool. I think you put a cap on it with the uh, Star Trek uh, story. <laughs> all boils uh, down
2: to that for me uh,
0: uh, although I, I sense you're not so much a next generation data fan
2: no, no. no. this Um, week on next generation data gets emotions (laughs) like it's all number one AI.
0: so that's that's fascinating because i'm i'm more into the whole emotions uh, of data thing i'm watching the current picards actually and they're using which is excellent yes they're using quotes from the art of war that are uh that are pretty amazing so all right uh, lightning round uh for anybody with a quick question zip you've been pestering us all night what have you (laughs) done i have yeah i've been pestering you Charles, speak a, a little bit to the dangers of social media and, and oh, the effect on mental health and and well, algorithms and viral mobs. I'll just give an example
2: what- from tonight. So my my son's eighth grade you know um, graduation. so these these are all 13, 14, 15 year olds you know in that range, mostly 14 year olds. And my son goes up to a, a girl who's an absolute stunning. Woman and that just you know, tan, long-legged, just beautiful in this beautiful dress. Chip off the old block. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, dang, and and um Anthea, my son's mother, she says, I don't think my mother would have ever let me out of the house look like that. And it's like that was you know, and that's the danger of social media that makes people feel like that's the way they got to look, that they've got to be a, fit into these particular molds. And if you're not that way, you're not, you don't have any worth And that. Now I'm not saying social media says that, I'm saying that's implied and- Wasn't inferred. that
0: also the same danger of being a hippie at Woodstock though, when you, when you boil right down to it? I mean, didn't our parents say the same thing about people bathing naked in the rain?
2: Yeah, but you know my brother was at woodstock my my, my half brother robert and i love hearing those stories uh, mm. from him you know and that to me that the you know social media has great power to keep people connected like i can stay in touch with you and lisa yeah. and your kids
0: without driving <laughs> and leaving your car and abandoning it and going to yasger's farm yes <laughs> <laughs> let me make a terrible radio analogy
1: orson welles a war of the worlds and if people don't have decent critical thinking and they flip a computer on and yeah. there's
0: somebody with a nefarious bent to them, how do you protect
2: against that? You can't. You know, education's right. the only thing. I mean, really, yeah. it truly is the only thing. And right now, the truth is under attack. You know, reliable sources of information. And that you know, I can sit. You know, I love. I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. I subscribe to the Washington Post. I subscribe to the New York Times. All of these are very reputable journalistic outlets. And that yes, of course, they all have biases. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And that, but, and that they, if they have a mistake, cater to their to customers.
0: By the way, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. like all media, but generally, you know, they if they say something, it's the truth. And that I, if I say something that's like, you know, what I, I looked into that, that's not true, they'll say. I don't care what you're reading. I, I only care about what I'm reading. And that to me is the most dangerous thing. It's like, sure. And that if, if 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 I just have my bubble and this is what I believe, then, you know, I have my reality. And then it all becomes confirmation bias. You know, whenever I get a piece of data that confirms, what I'm thinking it's like, oh yeah, obviously, of course. I
1: believe that. Yeah. And, Chuck, uh, I put in the
3: question bad. to ChatGPT, how to balance that media narrative thing. And it said, Kill Rupert Murdoch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, is there any pro- the, what, what, let's call it what it is, late stage capitalism? Is there any motive, profit motive, in being fair and, unba- and balanced? No. no, it's boring. And that you know, yeah. and until you know, and so, but of course, the opposite is just as dangerous. You know, state-run media or heavily regulated media yeah. is just as dangerous. So, you know, until someone actually, until we care enough about something to make it you know, to, to be more protective. Like we just had this scare. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Someone created a picture of what looked to be like an explosion outside the Pentagon,
1: the Pentagon. Yeah.
2: And that very, you know, very nice. And so everyone, you know, and as, as, as your jingle says, the the, lie gets around the world several times before the truth gets out, people go, Oh my God, explosion of the Pentagon. Stock market's (laughs) dipped stock market. And um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a dangerous
0: thing. I have a final question for you. It's been a wonderful hour, Chuck Opperman, ladies and gentlemen. It's been yeah, a lot of fun. Time. Yeah, oh, thank you. you. Do, I you love being a... here.
2: You guys make me laugh and you entertain, and you know, I think you're just a great group of people. Can you teach
1: me cold boot? Did, did you write that or did Chat GPT write that? <laughs> I'm to <gotta laughs>
2: that that's actually not me. One of the things they did at Microsoft was speech output, and I haven't been talking myself all right. at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So you have behind you the one I, I now know that there's different uh, um, dioceses in the uh, religion of Star Trek because you're the Captain Kirk original you're an originalist oh, yeah,
2: um, very much so.
0: and William Shatner is what is he 93 now.
2: 92 at least. Right. Yeah. If,
0: if he was a candidate for president, would you vote for him? Just oh, because absolutely. he's William Shatner. Yeah.
2: But, but William Shatner will be the first person to tell you. He that can keep his head
0: that. alive and keep his brain working. It doesn't
1: really <laughs> matter. All, do Shut the refrigeration up on Walt. And, put, <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: and I want everyone to watch Bob's reaction when I say this. Okay. okay? Bob is very much like the actor William Shatner. Not that. Um, because... He is an incredibly curious guy. He would much rather ask a question and hear what you have to say than him to talk and that. And I've got, you know, last time I, well, not the last time I saw you in person, but one of the times I saw you in person up in Vermont is after I was in New York and I'd spent a few hours with uh, Bill with Bill on the set of it is his buddy,
0: Bill Shatman, <laughs> Shatman, um, I believe. Tycoon
2: Garoga, <laughs> New York has got the uh, Star Trek original series set tour. They've recreated all the sets. It's amazing. And Bill goes out there for a weekend. And so I, I, you know, I paid some big bucks and I got to spend some time with the guy. And he doesn't want your questions about this episode or anything like that. He wants to see, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think about that? And it was a fascinating few hours. And Bob, you're like that. You want to know what other people are thinking, and then you want to synthesize it all and come up with something and get back. That's what Bill said.
0: As we're almost out of time, I have two camera more camera. last questions. Two more last questions. Um, <laughs> will the replicator ever be built? And the transporter? No.
2: No. no the replicator would happen before the transporter because the replicator. I mean, listen. Right now, I wish it. I mean, I replicate <laughs> food all the time. I throw a few things in the microwave zzz, and mm. out comes my lunch. And yeah. that's...
0: So. Warmed up. Yeah. Interesting. You don't think those are... I mean, Transporter, so not, not at all. Comes to physics, not possible. Right. Interesting. Chuck, you're, uh, of course, one of my favorite people. And... Oh, well, man. Um, ask. The here's thing when
3: you think about trying to
2: ask. You are ask taking... The and saying, okay, I'm going to hold this in a computer. (laughs) You're going to hold this person into data storage. Okay, well, and Star Trek has done this trope itself. It's like, okay, well, what if we materialize them? I'm just going to keep them in storage for a while. So what what are you in that case? So imagine, this is one of the, the quantum physics challenges. Imagine there's a computer that knows the exact position of every atom in the universe, and it knows its spe- its, vector, its vector state, its direction, and how fast and then you step it forward. It predict. oh, this atom's going to collide with this atom, it's going to exchange proteins, neurons, whatnot, and, and that's what's going to be a result. And so in theory, you could build a computer that once it knows the state of the universe at any given point, it can predict where it's going to be in the future. Everything is known, the, the no free will thought. And so... That that means that there's something more that we're not understanding, but about what is what it means to be a human, what it means to be a physical object, and that it's it's more than just atoms being able to be moved through a computer or through some sort of entity. And I'm not I'm not big on those kinds of things, but I I know we're, you know, is just what we perceive it, and our is based on our intelligence at the moment.
3: jock if you ever want to. Go together and invest in that computer. Let me know.
0: <laughs> All right. Chuck Opperman. thank you very much, Chuck. We're going to play absolutely. the jingle out. And I love it. Absolutely a pleasure world. talking to you. And uh, if anyone's interested in investing in Keith's movie, uh, sorry. I'm sorry, you're too late. Five people have already been out. No problem. All right. <laughs> Oops. Oh, hey, uh, Dave, you can go ahead and play that jingle because I'm not sure
1: about it. see,
3: light.